0: two sections we are doing apostolic apologetics and yes it's going to be a blast now if you find yourself at a place where you would like to partake in another class this particular bible study will be Ooh wee nails on a chopboard will be recorded and podcasted, and I'm kind of feeling, how many of you guys were with us long enough that you were with us for Pastor's Prophecy Hour? Anybody? So it's feeling like this may be, maybe a 2024 endeavor as I look at these topics. We may be living in this apologetics uh, mindset uh, for a little while apostolic apologetics defending your faith like a now when now we're doing class together i want you to help me so when we say boss i need everybody to say boss so apostolic apologetics defending your faith like a boss hey (laughs) and if you want to you can say boss if you want boss we'll just keep it simple I am 48 years old, and I have to do everything I can to feel young. Bless the Lord. At some point, there's a glorified body coming, amen? I just got to hang on until then. All right, here we go. Ready? Let's pray. Lord, help us to uh, learn from you, to discover new things, and maybe even things that we already knew. Help us to be able to put these things into practice in our own lives, but also into our presentation of the gospel may you in this moment in this group raise up a mighty apostolic evangelist for your namesake in jesus name amen amen now i'm not used to having the big pulpit on a wednesday night so i think i have to be careful with what i say because if i'm behind here but i can still come out here ready what in the world is apostolic? What in the world is apologetics? Tonight's class is simply going to be that. We're going to try to figure out what these two root words of this whole thing looks like. It starts with this concept. Disciples and apostles. Now, on Wednesday night, a welcome conversation, questions, i'm not really stressed about getting through the content because we got lots of other weeks that we can come back to it i really want this to be um, as small group type driven as we can do it so what is a disciple in your mind what is the first thing that jumps out at you when i say the word disciple student yep follower student we've got those two things yep okay anybody else for a disciple that kind of is a broad all-encompassing type of terms that lays it out can you be a disciple of anything else other than Jesus right you can be a disciple it's, it's kind of I don't want to this isn't heresy but it's, an, it's a Bible term it's an old-fashioned type of term you can be a follower of this and a follower of that uh, back when Twitter was Twitter, it was followers, right? Is it still followers on X? Anybody know? Twitter's called X something. Anyway, see, I got, the, I got the old generation in here. Got a couple of youngies in here, but they don't talk. Here we go. What's the first thing? This is going to be fun. What's the first thing that jumps out of your mind when I say the word Apostle first thing. Man, that was that was awesome. You guys great great job. If you're being honest, then all of you just drew a blank. A writer of the epistles? The, of the, epistles. <laughs> the wives of the epistles. <laughs> they knew Jesus in the flesh, so they would have firsthand I'm going to call it relationship, but basically they saw Jesus, saw Jesus in the flesh. Great. Okay? That is a qualifier of sorts. Anybody else have anything that jumps out at you when I say the word apostle? What? Picked, chosen. Love it. By Jesus. Okay, good. sent. Sent. Sent, yes, you're exactly right. Sent, sent ones is what it actually means. An apostle is a sent one, great. Anybody else have anything else? This is good, huh? Witnesses, witnesses, yeah, sure. Gold star for trying, Sherry we put it on there huh dedicated. dedicated they were dedicated disciples are dedicated disciples are witnesses there's one word that I'm searching for it describes something that only God can do oh who said that brilliant a lot of times the term apostle in my mind i'm just telling you in my mind is associated with this sense of miracles or those who were apostles functioned in the miraculous i'm going to leave that there i'm going to leave follower i'm going to leave student so let's talk about the difference if we can between a disciple and an apostle in order to become Students of apostolic apologetics, we first need to know what an apostle is, and there is a transition period for some of the disciples that became apostles, some but not all. There were some people that weren't disciples, meaning followers of Jesus uh, in that respect, but were apostles and added at a later date. Now, the word disciple, of course, means learner or pupil, follower or student, The apostle, the word apostle, means one who is sent out or even messenger, as Keith mentioned earlier, sent. The apostle specifically refers to someone chosen by Jesus. So you guys are already experts. We got sent out. We got chosen. Apostles are given the authority to perform miracles, to lead and to shepherd the newly formed Christian community in church history. The word apostle originates from the Greek, the one who is sent off, as I mentioned. There were 12 disciples, and whether we like it or not, there was a time where old Judas Iscariot functioned as an apostle. That bothers me. I don't like Judas Iscariot. I have an issue with him. You may know why. The term apostle holds a significant theological and historical importance throughout the church history. Where we get in trouble today is throwing that term around or giving that term to ourselves and the reason is kind of this what i would consider narrow qualifier first hand account of jesus now i have always said an apostle an apostle has this qualifier that's what includes paul because paul saw jesus right that's what includes of course the disciples that transitioned and became apostles, ones that were sent out. When was the first apostle in Scripture? When do we find the first apostle in Scripture? Now this is a trick question so you're all going to, you might not get it wrong, but I gave you a hint already. When do we see the first, no, no, it's in the New Testament. Apostle Paul, many people think the Apostle Paul. So if Apostles No, no Yep, so you all got it wrong It worked (laughs) Trick question Matthew, Mark, Luke, Bible Jesus (laughs) That's the old Sunday school Hey listen, if it's Bible or Jesus You got a 90% chance that you got the right answer uh, In Sunday school growing up Okay, so if Apostles are sent out And if Apostles have a first First hand account or saw Jesus Then in Luke chapter 9 One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples And gave them power Apostles operate in miracles and authority Apostles operate in authority For the sake of the kingdom To cast out demons and heal all diseases Then he sent them Out Judas Iscariot Ugh Functioning in this office in this role in this assignment as apostle in luke chapter 9 for all that we can tell and see are you with me now, i don't want to get hung up on judas iscariot but it's hard not to luke chapter 10 we now see how many of you guys know that more than 12 people follow jesus around right There were hundreds of people there were thousands there were many many people that followed and found jesus everywhere he would go and there in luke chapter 10 we see the lord now chose 72 other disciples and for the sake of just terminology from our own brain knighted them christened them assigned them whatever the case may be appointed them because he was sent them out ahead in pairs to all towns gave them authority told them to go and do the work of the kingdom now we find here now where there were 12 apostles because they were sent out they all saw jesus we find 72 apostles that all were sent out and saw jesus i want to talk about this saw jesus in just a few moments this word apostle, the key, the key takeaway, of course, is what we found is sent out. How, you, how are you guys doing so far? You see how the disciple became an apostle? How did the disciple become an apostle? Sent out, right? And the disciples that were with Jesus were probably not doing any miracles with Jesus. It wasn't until Jesus said, y'all go away, create some distance, and then they started operating in that power and that authority right and so many times we want to experience god and the miracles within the church but <laughs> you guys know that, that the whole purpose of being anointed by the holy spirit is to be able to be sent out and to do signs and wonders even on the outside amen and so we find these disciples that have become or graduated to this apostle assignment now The interesting thing about Luke 9 and Luke 10 is they came back. And when they came back, they were thrilled. Jesus, you're not going to believe what happened. Well, of course I'm going to believe what happened. I sent you to do those things. And then they had this conversation, and that assignment was over, right? It wasn't until the book of Acts that we see these disciples functioning as apostles in a more permanent fashion. Now, next thing next. I got lots of papers. Disciples had a very deep relationship with their teachers. Um, it's the modern day, I guess, understanding of an intern always nearby just for the sake of learning, almost neglecting what would people would consider normal life activities for the sake of being close to the teacher, the deep desire to be like the teacher. So the disciple certainly has this proximity thing that is in their heart, but the disciple, I think I can say this correct, um, the disciple is a learner, the apostle is a doer. You with me? So, In every believer, we can learn until we hit the grave, but there has to come a point in our life where we learn and then do something with what we've learned, right? PhDs can abound, but you gotta get up from the book at some point and apply it to what God is calling you to do. At the end of the day, and I'm not just saying this because I only have a bachelor's degree, I don't feel compelled to be a doctor but you can call me bishop if you choose to do so like my family (laughs) I don't even know what Bishop means we're on apostle (laughs) I got lost disciples and their teacher okay the difference between apostles and disciples comes from the learner mindset, receiving, learning, growing, and now being sent out. Luke 9, Luke 10, you've learned, now go do. Jesus chose the original 12 to be those disciples, and I mean those those apostles, but, but let me argue with myself. Anybody ever do that? Does anybody ever have a conversation with somebody that might have been intense and then you go you rehearsed it before and then afterwards like man I could have said this and I could have said that and then you have a better conversation later and you win that argument every time every time let me argue with myself because I don't like this idea of Judas Iscariot being an apostle and you know the disciples i'm not throwing shade or anything like that but like thaddeus he's a disciple he was sent out in luke 9 probably in the luke 10 group but how many of you guys get excited about thaddeus as an apostle how many of you guys have no idea who thaddeus is he's one of the disciples (laughs) he was there with jesus I mean, Bartholomew's a little bit more known. And we have Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot. And then we get to the one that we all consider the apostle. What's his name? He wasn't a disciple. The apostle, fill in the blank, the apostle what? There he is, the Apostle Paul. The other qualifier that I have heard is you see Jesus personally in front of you, even could say physically because Jesus appeared to Paul physically. And the second qualifier that some have said is that you write Scripture. Now, we just disqualified a whole lot of people, right? Now, in Bible college, partially because it kind of irked me, bothered me, that people would label themselves as apostles, guys, Bible college is an interesting place. People are exploring their spiritual gifts, and like, you know what, I feel like I'm an apostle. (laughs) Like, you just started last week, man. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm going to do some great things. Even me. When I planted the church in 2012, I told my pastor as he was helping me get started, "Say you need to understand something, Pastor. I plan, to tent, I plan to plant 10 churches in the first 10 years. All right, God bless you, son. <laughs> Go and, and, and do whatever you can do. And then we launched our church during the Elevation Orange Conference. So I'm in a Bain Elementary School preaching my heart out and T.D. Jakes is down the road. (laughs) Like Me and my 20, boy, we were getting it going. Anyway, what am I doing? Me and Apostle Thaddeus. All right. Acts chapter 26. Here's the appointment. We know that the Damascus Road event happened earlier in the book of Acts, but... But Paul explained further about why he was an apostle, or in this sent one understanding. Acts chapter 26, beginning in in verse 14, it says, uh, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 15, The Lord replied, Paul is talking, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world What you have seen and what I will show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Now, I'm going to really make sure we remember this word, sent. We find paul saw jesus we find paul sent by jesus now arguing with myself true apostleship can go one of two directions first of all let's take a little survey I got her. It's a, She's later in my paper. Yep. Uh, Are there women apostles? I got it. Romans 16. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that we you, like, so much, you know, weight to, like, fall. Of course. of course yeah yeah of course i I think to get to give you the end from the beginning we're all apostles we're all sent that's where we're going so therefore we all have to have the apologetic training to be able to teach and defend our faith but i still don't want judas iscariot to be one which is what i'm going to say in john chapter 20 judas is gone the, if they were apostles in Luke 9 and 10 they were sent out sure we got that part they saw Jesus sure we got that part but they weren't saved they weren't believers like we know as being a believer there was no Holy Spirit indwelling in them in Luke 9 and 10 right? this was pre-crucifixion and resurrection because in John 20, 22 Judas is no, no longer there And Jesus comes and he breathes on them receive the Holy Spirit and see I think it's that moment and I always use this to teach really the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they were then believers they had the evidence the spirit bearing witness with their spirit that they were now believers upon Jesus that is the installment of the Holy Spirit guaranteeing what is to come later the Holy Spirit is sent in baptism form so to uh, Mary's point it is important when we even read in Judges Joshua we read of kings in different areas of the Old Testament let's not forget that God was doing great things all over the world as he is today right and with Paul I love Paul and the story because one of the things that if we could grasp in our heads that God created us the way we are for the assignment that he's placed in front of us. Paul's assignment was what he did. You guys are gifted uniquely for what God's going to be calling and placing in front of you. You're not microphone, and so you're not on my podcast, so these are gaps in the podcast, but ask a question. Go for it. Give Give you a mic. (laughs) Go ahead. Saint yes. And they Yes. still exist and they're still thriving and they're actually like their services are very much like Jewish services. Yes. Um, so the, the imprint of these lesser-known apostles is actually like it's huge. It, I mean of course. They were sent all over the world. The Thaddeus thing was just a joke. I like Thaddeus. He's fine. But I, st- I still don't like Judas. The bad Judas. All right. Let's go through a couple of things. How many apostles were there? Uh, well, there were 12. Then there were 72. How many apostles were there today? Apostles are something that is a giftedness, is an assignment that they continue to function in. How can you become a, uh, an apostle There's a process from being a disciple, a learner, a student, a follower, that involves being chosen, as we talked about, by Jesus, anointed by the Spirit, and empowered by God. We find uh, the question about the female apostles. Yes, there were, Romans 16, 7, Junia is mentioned. There's other areas that infer that there were prophet uh two daughters that were prophetesses that spoke over paul's life there's other areas in acts chapter 2 of course that there is uh, the holy spirit poured upon the sons and daughters and so we as a church believe in women fully accredited and fully ordained to do ministry did all the apostles perform miracles as best we can tell not only did all the apostles perform miracles but a lot of the believers were used of God to perform miracles. It wasn't something just reserved for the church leaders, which it's not today. Amen? All of us can function in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's talk about the apologetics or a little bit more apostolic, and then I'm going to get through the apologetic stuff. All right, let's erase this. Sent. What's the Great Commission basically say what's the big word go so who sent all of us now let's let's hang out for just a second on the seeing Jesus thing because honestly I'm on both sides if you're speaking of an apostle as an office as biblically they were an apostle that lived in this time period but as Pentecostal people, we believe that the gifts and the functions and the offices and all of the things in the book of Acts is afforded to the modern day church, right? So why would we take apostle and remove that and say, that's only this group of people? Because while I haven't seen Jesus appear to me, I've seen Jesus. How about you? Right? I've experienced a relationship with him now if we have this narrow understanding of seeing Jesus, which honestly, I won't argue that, but I think modern day there's a movement from office. So so office speaks of singularity. Gifts gifts or I'd say gifted. Speaks of plurality. and I say that right? Plur, plural. Say it. There it is, plurality. Hey, and you're even from, you're Slavic, so this isn't even your native language. Thank you. Plurality. Office, I'm an apostle. Right? That's an office. That's an assignment. That's kind of like, a president or a governor or whatever the case may be but within the office of a governor are leadership abilities some <laughs> times <laughs> good stewardship good wisdom there's these different things that go along with that so when you look at the apostle so I'm going to Ephesians chapter 4 here oh here we go Ephesians chapter four Ephesians four. I love I love the way it's laid out here. Now these are the gifts, say gifts. Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Note, it doesn't say these are the people. It can be translated offices, but I think it's more accurate. Gifts. When we talk about gifts, this is Paul, of course, writing. He wrote also Corinthians. All gifts flow through one spirit, the spirit of God, given to the body for the sake of the body. Here's verse 12. Come on. Their responsibility, apostles. The responsibility of the apostles, which is one of those five, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, when are there no more apostles? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, and knowledge of god's son that we will be mature in the lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of christ quick question is the church in complete unity today (laughs) are we up to the standard of christ do we need the gifts these five gifts now here's this other idea that i believe apostle ship is not really what we're talking about i believe we're talking about a giftedness and we're going to talk about what that is in an apostle but i believe there's almost like a flow a flow chart an apostle is kind of like this overarching gift you with me preacher teacher i know i know all of you guys can read this well uh and then we have prophet what's the fifth one evangelist always forget those guys because they travel the Apostle I think functions in every area what do you think now there's a lot of people or there's evangelists that aren't prophetic there's prophets that aren't evangelists but I believe The apostle is one of these unique positions, giftedness, or something that has elements of these different gifts. Are you with me? Now, what in the world are characteristics of the apostolic? By the way, my mother is here tonight, and she taught today. Did a great job, Mom. Did you know you used a sharpie on my board today? Permanent marker? fixed it. I fixed it for you. All those times you had to fix it for me, well now, we're even. (laughs) That's it. Clean slate. Okay. I've got got 13 things that I think are associated with an apostolic ministry, an apostolic giftedness. I'm just going to blow through them real quick. Missionary work. Igniting a movement among the believers. They function in the ministry gifts. They have a divine commissioning or a calling on their life. They have a pioneering spirit, a vision for expansion in the kingdom. They establish new churches. They typically find themselves at the forefront of a movement, they take risks, they venture into uncharted territories, function as spiritual fathers or mothers, they mentor believers, and they equip believers. Now, there's a movement in modern day church circles that you're either in an apostolic church or you're not. And that there's even a denomination associated with it. And there's this is an apostolic movement, this is not an apostolic movement, and so on and so forth. And I don't want to draw those lines of delineation, but I want to just say that we want to operate in the apostolic. Because apostolic is taking ground for the kingdom of God in its simplest form. Apostolic is not putting man on a pedestal all right that's where we lose it sometimes well we have an apostle well okay it's not about the person it's about the gift that came from christ through the spirit for the sake of the Church Pastor, what do you say? Are you say, Andrew, there's, if there's somebody that, that I follow that I'm you know, interested in or read about or, or listen to their teachings and they've got apostle in front of their name, what should I do? I don't care. Keep listening. I mean, if what's being taught is sound and biblical, what I'm trying to say to you is sometimes people have titles thrown upon them. Sometimes they do it to themselves, and now they've got to live up to that title which is why the first time I got a piece of mail that said reverent, it scared me half to death. I said, ooh, Reverend!" I need to change clothes or something. I was like, <laughs> I gotta wear a collar. I, gotta, I, have a, I have a robe, a nice robe, that, that when people let me when I do weddings, I like to wear it, but nobody lets me anymore. They make me wear flannel or a jacket with no tie. <sighs> this world coming. I really am very keen on this personal encounter, firsthand experience with Christ. I I don't want to undersell it and say we've all had a personal encounter with Christ. I don't want to undersell it and say, you know, if we're a believer, we've all had this encounter. But I, I do believe I. And you have probably had moments where it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That was unique. That was special. Uh, I had one Sunday. (laughs) Man, it was fun. But I do remember in my early life when I got serious about following the Lord, I remember personally times where my my knees would buckle, where I couldn't stand. Nobody touches me. Nobody nobody laid hands on me. Nobody was shoving me over. If if you've heard me talk about it before, if somebody's pushing, I'm pushing back. (laughs) I don't need your help. (laughs) You know, the Holy Spirit can do it. But I had times where it's just the, the, the presence of the Lord would overwhelm me. And that personal firsthand experience, I can point at these encounters in my own life and say, man, I've never had that. Well, seek him for it. Amen? Seek him for it. Let's see. I got to get to the apologetic side of it. We're still on apostolic. Y'all okay? All oh, y'all going to other classes next week? Bless the Lord. See, if y'all don't stay, I can go straight to Taco Bell. I don't even mean, have to wait till 8 15. All right. <laughs> We've established. The idea that Ephesians 4 tells us that, hey, we're not unified, that we still need the gifts of the Spirit, we still need these offices, and we still need God's help in those ways. Let's talk about apologetics. Apologetics. It's derived from the Greek word. Anything about apostolic before I go to apologetics? Mary? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> from the apostolic yeah actually they got great music in apostolic churches <laughs> I follow a few on instagram like man eric you watch some apostolic churches they got some music anyway i sent one to juno one time remember that he's like man we got to get robes though anyway i got a robe it's black man it's dope all right here we go apologetics apologia greek word is where it's derived from means to give a defense preaching and apologetics are two different things imagine if you would that every time a preacher takes a pulpit He's defending something. Now, there are times that, yes, that's the case. But if I walked in every Sunday and said, so-and-so called me on Thursday, and so I'm here today to preach a message on what they don't like, that is the difference between apologetics and preaching. Apologetics is a defense of. In other words, there's an accusation, or there's a prove it to me, or show me where this makes sense that's where apologetics comes in so i would also just tell you right now that apologetics is not your starting point when talking to someone you know, say hey louise let me prove to you this that and the other and louise is saying I, i'm just buying some milk for the house you know <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about um, but it is your opportunity, if the Lord opens that door, say, I don't, I don't really believe in God. I don't think God's real. Now apologetics begins to come in. I, I think we came from, you know, millions of years of evolution. Well, now apologetics begins to come in. You know, I, I just have a hard time believing that a loving God would allow bad things to happen. Now apologetics begins to come in. So let me remind you that it's not where you start. Because sometimes you don't need to defend anything. Sometimes the Lord's going to open the door and they're going like, "You know what? I've had a horrible day. I feel like God sent you to me. I'm ready." Right? <laughs> and you've got your 10-point apologetic speech about evolution or the depravity of man, and they just want somebody to love them. So I want to start with saying apostolic apologetics. Paul is always saying, "This is my defense." This is my reason. This is why I'm saying, doing, and acting. And even we see Peter and we see the other uh, apostles operating in that vein. It is a defense or an answer given in reply. It comes from the word apologia, which literally means speak away the accusation, much like a, a lawyer or a defense lawyer would speak away an accusation. We see it used 17 times in the New Testament. In uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he found it necessary necessary to defend himself of his claims of being an apostle. In other words, they didn't want to listen to what he said because they didn't think he was an apostle. And he said, I am, and this is why, and this is how, and this is why my letter is something that should should be paid attention to the focus of the word here is defense defense paul is many times preaching the gospel and sometimes he's preaching in defense of and sometimes it's defending against detractors in the last few chapters of the book of acts i think from chapter 20 to the end we see paul making several speeches in front of kings and governors and different crowds, and different people, and it's all in defense of or making his case. Types of apologetics are, first of all, philosophical, speaking of the authentication of the facts of God. Psychological, speaking of religious consciousness, consciousness. Revelation, guess what revelation, the apologetics that speaks of revelation is? Revelational apologetics. Guess what the apologetic speaking of Christianity is? Wrong. Historical apologetics. I don't know how you got that one wrong. When you're talking about apologetics, that's in defense of the Bible, it's bibli- uh, bibliological. <laughs> Come on. Biblia. He's like, nah, I can't do that one. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone. Functions of apologetics. Now, we're doing like tonight, broad stroke. I know this is not. This is quick in quick out then next week we start with the topics how do you defend this how do you defend that what about when they ask this question what about when they ask that question and uh, we'll go into those things beginning next week but really my time tonight is talking about what apostolic uh, unpacking that idea and then talking about what apologetics the functions of apologetics there's three aspects of apologetics there's the defense there's proof and there's offense Proof involves presenting a rational basis for faith. Defense involves answering the objections of unbelief, and offense means attacking the foolishness of the argument, of the unbelieving thought. So yes, you know, how many of you guys have ever watched a debate on YouTube? There are many out there, some of them hours long, fascinating stuff. And as you watch those, if you're anything like me, you get these 90-second clips, and you're like, man, I could use that. I'm going to watch that part again. I'm going to use that, and then I'm going to act like it's mine. Which, by the way, I, find, I found all that I'm teaching tonight on the Internet. <laughs> In my study. <laughs> now, functions of apologetic. Functions of apologetics, there are four. We're summarizing this idea. First of all, vindication. Vindication or proof. So where's my blue marker? Presenting proof. So that's going to be number one, two, three, four. Then we've got the second function is going to be defense. Refutation, but I'm going to call it offense because that makes a little more sense in my mind. And then persuasion. Apologetics as proof shows that Christianity is reasonable. So go with me on a journey. You're defending your faith you come at it from different angles first of all you want to give proof that's showing that this is an actual reasonable thing for you to grasp and hold on to this is Christianity is reasonable I can tell you that a lot of times people don't seem or those that have chosen not to believe you'll never convince them right at some point proof is going to fall short in a sense of they've got to choose. There's got to be an element of faith, because if there's not an element of faith, then what are we doing? Right? If, if it's obvious and everybody believes it, then one would argue that everybody's going to end up in heaven because it just makes sense. There's got to be an element of faith within us that says, even though I don't see God, I can know that I know God through the unseen and through the spirit. So proof is, yes, important, and there are times where that can prove that Christianity is reasonable, but its purpose is to give, that non, to give non-Christian good reasons to embrace the Christian faith, commonsensical arguments to embrace the Christian faith. For example, the volumes of evidence for a creator. Secondly, we look at the idea of defense, that Christianity is not unreasonable. In other words, the purpose of this is to show that the non-Christian would not be acting irrationally by trusting in Christ or by accepting the Bible as God's word. Thirdly, apologetics as a refutation or offense is that non-Christian thought is unreasonable. In other words, how can you not believe that there is a, not a creator? How, how can you look around, and it's the argument of the building, um, a, a truck full of building materials crashing off of the highway, and then all of a the sudden there's a building there after the crash. You know, that's the kind of arguments that we can bring towards intelligence design and towards a creator which by the way did you know you can convince someone of an intelligent designer and a creator and they still won't accept Christ there's something about accepting God as a creator that that is different than expecting accepting God as God you with me because God could still be a creator to someone in their mind. Like, yeah, that makes total sense, but I still don't believe the Bible. I still don't believe there's a moral high ground. I still don't believe that there's laws that I have to live by. I still don't believe that there's a heaven and a hell. But yeah, I believe God made stuff. And for some, the, the, the act of apologetics is, is an exercise in futility. And so that's why we need to know that our starting point is not to argue a defense. Our starting point is to love and to share the gospel, right? But then to be prepared to give a good, an, good, an, uh, good answer. And fourth, of course, we have apologetics as persuasion that takes into consideration the fact that Christianity is not known by reason alone. God gave us the minds that we have. We think we digest ideas and thoughts. We are created in the image of God. We are creative like God. We carry around a lot of baggage sometimes as we dwell on things and we consider things. And, and sometimes our hearts are restless and sometimes we, the ideas that we have get us in trouble. But at the end of the day, God made us who we are, how we are, And God can connect with us in that way. Apologetics is not really about winning an argument. It's about winning a soul. So I do believe, and the reason why we're doing apologetics, frankly, is of course the Lord led us to do it. But how the Lord led us to do it is my son has been reading Romans and it's blowing his mind like, Dad, what's happening here? (laughs) Okay, I've, I've read it 10 times, and I'm still like, what is going on? And so I do think it's a great opportunity for us to begin to unpack these things and go through these subjects. Apostolic apologetics, defending your faith like a boss, just from the sake of you guys in the room tonight. Do you have someone in your life talk to me, that you feel they're ready. We just need to be able to reason with them and get them to a place where they'll receive. Just tell me, how many of you guys have someone like that in your life right now? You got somebody, just sit down with them, share the heart of God, but also reason with them. it? I think Isaiah, that God said, come let us reason together. And I do think there's a room for us as believers to explore these things, but I want to encourage you. I want to tell you this. You can win the argument and lose. All those debates I've watched, the person on the other side of the table was not kneeling at the end of it and receiving christ now at some point we hope and pray but remember you're not in a youtube debate remember there's a soul on the other side of those eyes right and it comes down to letting the holy spirit lead you paul the apostle paul and others as we look how they brought this defense king agrippa the Apostle Paul brought this defense and he started, he started bringing in the clothes. He was going to open the altar for King Agrippa. I think it's Acts chapter 24, 23, 25, something like that. And it, right there, and he's bringing it and the King Agrippa you think I will be a Christian after you just shared this this one time? Now, we believe the Bible's true, right? Paul didn't argue. He didn't come back with some snide remark or answer like well you don't want to go to hell you would right no in that moment paul following the leading of the holy spirit okay moved on amen so as you're learning the defense i want to encourage you use it but don't hit somebody over the head with it you know they call certain christians bible thumpers for a reason right get the thin line bible (laughs) not the family bible (laughs) be gracious be kind be loving i hope and pray that from this year as we walk through these very specific topics that god's going to give you divine appointments you're going to run into people that have those questions but they're genuine questions it's not like prove to me you'll never prove to me right I hope and pray that they'll have genuine encounters with you, that they'll open their hearts to the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, loving us. I pray that as we look into these topics, and there are many, uh, that, Lord, that you would guide our conversation, that you would help us understand how we can learn and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. And God, that we would have a fun time learning about the amount of incredible knowledge and evidence and even the scriptures that that are just immeasurable that can help us in this journey. Pray, God, you go with us this week. May we walk in your blessing and that even now, may we have divine appointments from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Next week, we start with making the unknown known. Making the unknown known as our topic next week.